Welcome to Knit, Design, Edit, Sleep, Repeat with Lisa Conway and Denise Finley. Let's listen in and see what's happening, who's happening, and what's new in their world. Today, Denise and I are talking with Erin Clayton of Erinine Designs about her graphic and knitwear designs and her exciting new courses aimed at helping other knit designers. Welcome back to Knit Design Edit Sleep Repeat. Hi, Denise. Hey, Lisa. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. I would love to introduce you to Erin Clayton of Erinine Designs. Erin, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we are thrilled to have you here and allow you to share all of the wonderful things you're doing for and with designers. I'm going to hand this over to Denise because she had some questions for you. Well, Erin, I am like super happy to meet you. I have heard about you for a long time. <laughs> Lisa speaks very highly of how you've helped her in her new business venture. And we're excited to get some of that word out to some of our listeners. First of all, I would like to start this part of this podcast talking about your knit design business. And first of all, give us a little rundown. Tell us about you. Who are you and what do you do? And, you know, give us a little capsulized uh, session. Well, my name is Erin Clayton. I am a knitwear designer and I've been doing that for about three and a half years. And I have also been a graphic designer for over 20 years. And so I became a knitwear designer because I feel like I've wanted, I've designed for as long as I can remember. It just kind of bubbles out of me and I see things um, just everywhere. I'll see the way the light uh, falls through the blinds or I'll see the way that the rain looks on the driveway, on the stones, and it'll make me think of an idea. And so it will become something else. And so I only learned to uh, knit six years ago. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was after my daughter went to a kid's knitting class. And uh, I said to the teacher at the end, you should probably show me how to do this so that I can help her. And then I just never stopped. And because designing is in my blood, I got to the point where I just wanted to start designing my own things. And it was really because I was looking for a certain experience and something that was wearable um, for me and my wardrobe and just the way that I like to wear things. And I just wasn't finding those things. So I started to create them. Oh, that's funny because that what you just stated sort of segues into my next question. <laughs> what is your design philosophy? <laughs> yeah, my philosophy is that I want to create that experience for the knitter. I want it to be an easy but engaging pattern. Um, I really take my graphic design background and tie it into the pattern so that it's easy to follow. You um, have what you need at your fingertips. Like I make sure I put, if I have a tip, it's near where you're going to need it. I try and make sure that if I have something in my mind that I've created it in a way that is 
as easy as possible for the knitter. Um, so I'm very passionate about having easy but engaging patterns. And I also just really think that um, being able to wear it, like we make all these beautiful things and sometimes, you know, we're not able to figure out how to fit it into our wardrobe. So I try and make sure that my designs are both beautiful and functional. So Erin, I'm, I'm going to interject here for just a second. When you say easy, what is your definition of easy? Is it just that you are really explaining the techniques really well, so no matter who they are, they can knit them? Or do you look for techniques that fit the earlier knitter, the, the more beginner-based knitter? So I'm looking for techniques. I'm, I'm not a big teaching you new techniques kind of designer. I'm more looking for ways to make it very intuitive so I will have patterns that look more complex, but they're not. Um, so I'll give you tips on use markers here because it's going to help you. I will give you tips on things to look out for. I will make a point to just create that experience that's not necessarily for the very beginner, but definitely the adventurous beginner, but it's also going to engage the more advanced knitter. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> well, and I love that you say that you're not into teaching new techniques. And, and everybody has a purpose. There's a purpose for every type of designer and every type of learner, right? But recently, I've been extreme. And I'm, I've been knitting for 50 years. Long time, okay? And I've been discouraged lately about some of the new techniques that Pattern designers almost feel like they have to cram down our throats. I was a little concerned about that. And for you to say that, an intuitive part, um, that's, yeah. that's interesting. That's very, very interesting to me to be able to design with that in mind. Could, could you explain that a little bit more? Absolutely. So in the case of, I just released a pattern in February that was called the Malog Cowl. And I had one of my testers, she actually knit it twice because she said she got to the end and it was just so much fun and engaging mm -hmm. that she didn't want to stop. And so she cast on another one. Um, but I really think about flow and I think about just that experience. I'm really crafting the experience. And if there is a particular technique that I think is going to work well, I'm definitely not going to go out on a limb here, but like I used the German short rows in my recent sweater because I felt that they were going to work better than the wrap and turn. Mm -hmm. And I made sure to give links to tutorials so that you could watch it and, you know, be able to do it. And I did the same with the German twisted cast on, mm -hmm. on a couple of my pieces. But other than that, I feel like, you know, your life is stressful enough. Your knitting doesn't have to be. And so I really create those kind of patterns for the people that need them. I like that concept. I've heard it mentioned a few times that knitting is supposed to be enjoyable and you just want to sit down and enjoy what you're doing and not have to really stress about it. One more yes. quick question before I hand a little bit over to Lisa. <laughs> 
Now you mentioned before, you know, the, the rain on the rocks in the driveway and the sun coming through the slats of the blinds. And I'm an amateur photographer and I do mostly nature photography. So I know about that eye, you know, sometimes we see things that other people don't see, but um, where else, I mean, kind of describe to us how you find your inspirations. So I find my inspiration in a few places. A lot of my inspiration comes from my Irish heritage, which is where (laughs) where Erin Designs is named after because in the Gaelic language, Mm -hmm. which I believe now is called Irish, but when I was growing up um, and my mom talked about it because she's from Ireland and she would, and so when she would talk about it, she would um, call it Gaelic. So I always think of it that way, even though it's probably different now. Right. And so in the Gaelic language, when you add Ean to something, it makes it small. And so when I was a small child, my mom would call me Erinine and yeah. she would call my brother Seanine. And so when I came to name my company, I chose Erinine Designs because I wanted to really like just pay homage to my Irish heritage. I love um, that. Let me stop you real quick. I'm a writer and my second book in my second series is called Bien Rua because they go to Ireland on there. I I grew up thinking I was Irish and I'm mostly Scottish, long story. But anyway, and that is, it means redhead. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. So your inspirations. Pardon me? Uh, your inspirations. Where else would you find an inspiration? Oh, so I really like my kind of design process with with what I think about and how I'm inspired is I really do start from a shape of something that I'm looking to make. And then I think about what I want to fill it in with. So I did my dairy rush shawl last summer and I knew that I wanted it to be uh, a crescent shaped shawl. And the dyer that I was working with, I knew that the yarn was just beautiful and very delicate looking. So I knew that I wanted to make it kind of delicate and and have some lace in it. So then all I did is I started to fill in the pieces. So I knew that I I wanted to have a lace in there, but I knew I wanted the lace to create that experience that people weren't going to get frustrated So I started to fill in with like, okay, there's this lace. How am I going to break it down so that somebody, if they, you know, get confused or messed up, they're going to be able to catch that very quickly and not get frustrated. Again, all of my designs are to make sure that you're not frustrated, that you're enjoying the process. I love Um, that. I love that. So I tried out different laces and I made sure it was one that you were clearly going to see where you were. Mm -hmm. Um, So it gives a beautiful, you know, somewhat complex look, but it's an easy experience. So I really kind of, you know, look at the the big picture Mm -hmm. and then just refine, refine, refine. And I look at my, my designs, you know, in the year, like I, I just try and craft that experience. Excellent. Lisa. I'm, I'm really intrigued by the way you work as a budding designer myself with one pattern out there in the world. The idea of, I know I want it to be this shape. Mm -hmm. What pieces do I put in to get there? 
and how do I make that so that the knitter has the best experience possible? That's a really different way of working than I've heard from other designers. So that's really intriguing to me. Where do you find, where are, are you going to find the pieces? So I like, I love books. I've always loved books. So I have a very um, full uh, library of stitch dictionaries. And so I will, like I said, I'll have that, you know, general shape. And then what I do is I go through and I just flip through my books and I start to put sticky notes on the ones that are intriguing me. And then I'll go back and I'll refine from there to see what is going to fit best into the idea that I have in a way that is going to, that's going to work mathematically as well as visually. Because if I'm going to create a chart for somebody, I want to make sure that I have the least amount of repeats, that I can, I can put it in in a way that's going to be easy to follow. And then how do you think about the sizing when you're talking sweaters? That must apply as well to making sure that you've got a design that's well able to be adjusted size-wise. I'm not saying that very well, am I? No, I totally know what you mean. So when I created, I released my first sweater in January and it is a circular yoke. And so I did that, that same concept with the lace and the yoke where I wanted it to be easy and intuitive. And I just watched my, my math to make sure that it wasn't a very big repeat and that I was able to then have, have it be sized easily, um, have it be graded. Uh, I was able to uh, work with a tech editor and have it sized out to nine different sizes. But I thought about it at the beginning to make sure that I was creating something that was going to be able to be sized up and also be easy and intuitive. Do you feel that math comes fairly easy to you and that is why you're able to think about these things from that perspective? Or is math a struggle and so therefore you're thinking in terms of making it easier for the knitter? So math, math comes fairly easily to me. I wouldn't say that I'm like, you know, a math whiz, but I definitely enjoy math and I enjoy puzzles and how things fit together. I think that I come at the making it easy for other people because I've, I became a graphic designer and I started to kind of deal with publications and, and all that kind of stuff. And I always struggled with like big blocks of texts that were like unformatted, it just became like hard to, to pull out the information. And I think that not only do I use that in my patterns when I lay it out to try and make it easy to follow, but I also do it in like the text and everything. So I think I come at it more from the aspect of just making it easy to read. Lisa, can I jump in here real quick? Oh, please. I listened to a lecture when I was at university and they talked about people who were math whizzes, like you mentioned, Aaron, um, versus people who saw things in patterns. Mm. And it takes diff a different part of our brain. That was interesting to me because 
I have knit since I was in like fifth or sixth grade and crocheted and I'm a spinner and I see these patterns in my photography and other things. And even in words, I see patterns. I can pick up on a, I was a proof editor for a long time and uh, I could see that, but don't even ask me to do math. Okay. I am so bad at it. And I thought, how can that be? Because my husband is a, is a musician, he's a composer and a lot of other things, but he can see patterns like that too. And, and he's not as good as math. He's a little better than I am. So we're not math whizzes, but we do see the patterns. And I think what you spoke about is exactly what that lecturer was saying that day. Absolutely. That is what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on the interplay between things mm -hmm. and how they all fit together. And that's something that I do pretty much throughout everything I design. It's like, I want balance and I want ease. And how can I create that? And I feel like I use the math to back me up and to make sure that everything fits in, but it's not necessarily where I start. I start with visual balance. I start with an idea of something that I want to achieve. And then I figure out how to get there in the most streamlined way that's going to uh, create that experience. Does that contribute to how prolific you tend seem to be? I, I see you releasing patterns really regularly. Do you feel that it's not just, I know it's part planning because we're going to talk about that in a bit, but do you think it's the way you see the patterns and the way you approach the patterns that allows you the freedom to work on multiple things at the same time and allow you to release more in a shorter period of time? You know, that's a really good question. I think that I do see the patterns as their own individual entities where I'm looking at that big picture of, I know I'm going to release a crescent shape shawl here or a worsted weight hat here. And so I kind of put it in the place where it needs to go. And then I just refine, refine, refine. And I feel like I'm at my happiest when I'm kind of working on three designs. So I will have one that's in the kind of, you know, conceptual design stage. I will have one that is in the tech editing slash test knitting stage. And then I'll have one that's releasing and being marketed. And so that is the way kind of my brain works with like the different layers of things. But I think that I, it's funny you say that I'm prolific and I feel like I'm not, <laughs> but um, I, I have a schedule for the year and I have like, um, I used to release more and I decided that I like to release about one pattern a month. And so last year I released 11 patterns and, you know, there are times when I'll release maybe three patterns over six weeks. If I kind of have something that I think will work for a certain time of year. And then in the middle of the summer, when all of the designers and the knitters are a little bit quieter, I might not release something say in July, but I try and kind of like, figure out that balance in the year to figure out where it should go. And then I just, you know, 
refine, 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 and then um, move forward. So you think in terms of Northern Hemisphere, because that's where we're at, and the season's Northern Hemisphere, but you're not really including the fact that, well, there are knitters in the Southern Hemisphere that might be interested in a hat release in the middle of July. Absolutely. But I do find that most of my knitters at this point tend to be in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, If that were to change, then I would, you know, adjust. But I like to be able to show the way that I wear things and that they are wearable. So it makes it easier for me when I'm designing to be paying attention to the seasons and um, what I think that the people who are mostly purchasing my patterns are experiencing. Wow. Yeah, that is prolific. (laughs) So just a really quick question before we get into the really, really interesting stuff that Lisa is going to take over and shine with just, and this is a question we ask all the designers. It's we're not singling anybody out, but do you knit other people's designs? Do I what? Do you knit other people's designs? You know, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this earlier and I do occasionally, um, but it's usually a hat or a cowl because I just, I'm pretty busy. Um, and it's hard to fit in other stuff because I have, like I said, three patterns going at the same time. It's hard to fit in anybody else's work, but I have, uh, other designer friends that I try and support and promote them. And um, we've done knit alongs before where, you know, you'll knit somebody else's piece. And so I've definitely done hats and, and cowls and such, but not really too much bigger than that. Cause they just can't fit it in. I'd love yeah. to. All right. <laughs> I believe it. Thank you. Well, Aaron, we've talked a lot about the design aspect of your business, especially the knit design. Before we move on to this next one, though, you're more than just a knit designer. And there, there's a much bigger part of the business. We'll come back to designing maybe a little bit later. But I just wanted to say that to, to our listeners, there are many factions to your business. You do the knit design, but you also do graphic design and you also are starting to teach, which I find really interesting. Let's, can we talk a little bit about some of your coaching programs and where you're headed with that? Absolutely. I would love to tell you about that. So I have always been a person who loves to think about the process and the why and like really dig deep into systems and, and, um, just figuring out the best way to do things. And so I have, you know, spent the last three and a half years working on my knitwear design business and really refining my process and what works when and the questions to ask. And so now I am working with other designers. I have a coaching program called Coaching for Designers, and it's a two-month program where I Uh, have some Zoom calls and we have some office hours and we just really dig deep into where a designer is in their business and how to move forward. I have a an ability to see those patterns that we talked about and see connections and 
the order in which things should go. And I use a lot of the information that I've learned in my own design business over the last three and a half years to help uh, newer designers to move forward, to know, okay, what's next? Like you've worked on, you know, getting your, your designs going. What do you do to get your business going? Um, so I'm really enjoying working with designers on that. And then on the whole process and systems kind of thing, um, I released a class called Plan Your Year of Designs. And it's a workbook and a video lesson. And I go through and explain exactly how I design my year and how I do it really in about an hour. Um, I'll sit down usually either in the spring or the summer, depending on how the rest of the year is going. And I'll just start roughing out what I want to release when, and I'll take information from the previous year and see what went well, what people liked. And the cool thing about this is that it gets better year to year. So if you're a newer designer, you're going to be really, you know, not having a lot of that previous information to pull from, but you, you can use some of my information that I'm sharing because it's, you know, industry specific. And then you think about where things go. Um, I always look at things from above. I consider, uh, I think about like a bento box where you want that balance. And so I think about, you know, where do I want certain things to go? Do I have balance? Do I have bigger things and littler things? And how does it all fit together? So I help other designers with that. And the, uh, the people who have bought that class have just been blown away. You know, I feel like a number of them had said that they had been designing something, you know, starting at the beginning, designing it, getting to the end, and then starting all over again and not really thinking about the strategy behind it and, you know, how it all fit together. I'm just really excited to be working with uh, people in this wonderful industry of ours. Could you do me a favor? And you mentioned a bento box. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that concept. Can you go a little deeper? Oh, absolutely. So a bento box is, I'm not sure uh, where where it originated, but it's, I mean, we use it as a lunchbox and it's just, it's a lunchbox that has different openings. And so you would put um, different things in different parts of the bento box. And so when my daughter was little, I would make her lunch and I would make sure that I had something that was a protein and then I would have something sweet and make sure there was a vegetable in there. And so I just kind of look at everything with that balance with the like okay if i have you know a big piece over here and i noticed last year that you know my clients really like worsted weight triangle shawls and they also like cowls so if i have a big cowl or i have a big um shawl over here could i fit a cowl next to it you know and just trying to think of like that balance okay that's really intriguing so I think you mentioned earlier, you've got something new coming in this section of your business as well. Would you share more about that with us? Absolutely. I'm super excited about this. It is called the Improve Your Pattern Layout Masterclass. And it is going into, it's taking my graphic design background with publications and it's, and I'm explaining each aspect of the pattern layout for readability 
for making it visually pleasing. I'm explaining the why behind things so that you can then go in and upgrade your pattern layout so that it's just a better experience for the knitters and crocheters that are working um, your patterns. And I feel like this is something that a lot of us need because, you know, I have the graphic design background. So I'm lucky that I was able to come into this where I was learning the knitwear design, but I already knew about layout. And I feel like a lot of designers are coming in and they're, and they're learning about knitwear design and crochet design. And, but they, they don't know about this other thing. And I feel like with the class, I'm going through all of that and I'm explaining it to you so you can craft your own template. Um, so I'm super excited. And uh, I've had several people who have asked me to do something like this. And I had taught through Aroha Knits has a uh, community called Swatch Studio. And I've actually taught a bunch of concepts like this through her community. Interesting. Very interesting because that is kind of one of the areas that I see as a tech editor that just don't quite get how to make a visually pleasing pattern that still contains all of the information. So that's, I may have to look into that. (laughs) (laughs) I think you'll like it. Actually, all of your classes really intrigue me. And if I had the funds, I probably would have dived in head first to all of them because they just really, they hit a need that I've seen out there. And that's, what's really cool. Well, the cool thing about them is that I usually teach them live to start, but they are available after the fact as a, as a, uh, a replay. So even if you miss when it's released, it's still available. That's great. And when is your masterclass going to be released? My masterclass is going to be released on February 24th. So by the time our listeners hear this, you will be able to dive right in and experience this wonderful layout. You know, I had a thought just now. You're teaching layout. What kind of software are you working with and are you recommending? It's great that you asked that because um, this is something that I'm very excited about because I know a lot of people start out in, say, Word or um, Google Documents or stuff like that. But when you really want to have the versatility to really dive in and make it visually pleasing and really play with your formatting and stuff, you need to get a different program. And so where I use as a graphic designer, I use Adobe-based programs. There's a uh, set of programs by a company called Affinity that are, I always think of them as kind of Adobe Lite. And so they allow you to dive in and really do the designy kind of stuff, but they are more in the uh, one-time purchase. And I want to say they're about $50. And so I would suggest either Affinity Publisher or Affinity, I don't remember the other one, but I think it's the publisher one. There's one that's more like uh, text-based, and then there's one that's more like where you can do uh, drawing and stuff in it. 
but they're they're both fabulous. We can make sure that we've linked to these pieces of software in our show notes, Erin. So if you could help me get the links for those, I would really appreciate it. Absolutely. Because I think I've heard of Affinity and I want to say it was in video editing that I was told about them. So they have pretty much the full suite that Adobe covers, but at a much more affordable price point. I was incorrect in stating that Affinity has video editing software. Their three available pieces are Designer, Photo, and Publisher. All will be linked in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah, they um, they have an Affinity Photo as well. Um, so that's like a Photoshop kind of one. I use Adobe Illustrator for a lot of my work. And except for the fact that I'm doing that kind of stuff, um, I know a lot of other people, all of my um, knitwear designer friends and crochet designer friends that have like kind of upgraded their programs are going with Affinity. That's really cool. Yeah, I do know a lot of designers are using Adobe InDesign for their layout stuff, but it's nice to know there's a more affordable option. Absolutely. That's really great. So I'm going to segue Denise's question by saying Erin and I first met because I hired her to create my branding. And so she's got that whole graphic design. So I think, Denise, you have a question about that? Right. And I do remember that you had said that uh, Aaron was the one that helped you with uh, designing and branding your um, tech editing, editing business. Am I correct? Yes. And yes. So, so, Aaron, tell us a little bit about your um, branding and then your graphic design section of what you do. I would be happy to. Um, so. As I said earlier, I have been a graphic designer for over 20 years. And so before I, you know, became a knitwear designer, I worked for all kinds of publications doing everything from print design to, you know, web design, logos, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. And so I noticed that there was, you know, just like the need for some of the classes and the coaching, there was a need for people in our industry to have someone that understood what they wanted and where they were in their journey and could create branding for them. So I have been doing branding for about, with, just with the knitwear industry, knitwear and crochet industry for about a year and a half now. And I just absolutely love being able to help other small business owners to create the look that really resonates with them and help them to get that consistency and cohesiveness in their business so that they can really grow. So Erin, just out of curiosity, because this is something that's come up with my books recently, uh, do you have packages available? Like, do you have a website? I mean, I know Lisa's going to put these on the show notes so people can click on them and see what's going on. But just out of curiosity, I just wondered if you offer packages, if you offer like different levels of costs or perhaps different items that are involved in it, different design features. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. 
Awesome. Um, yeah, I have a website, erinedesigns.com. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I have a work, if you go to the work with me tab, all the stuff that I do both for uh, branding as well as for the classes and coaching and stuff would be under there. On the coach, I mean, on the branding aspect, I've recently revamped that because I, I really want to be able to be kind of a partner to the designer in this where, you know, we're really going to dive into what you want at the beginning. And then we're going to do the work to create your full branding package. Um, So that would include not only your main logo, but a color palette that's custom to you, as well as uh, some other bits that if you're not in the industry, you might not know you need, but you really do. And so there's this thing called, I've had a lot of people say, I don't know what this is. So I'm going to explain it here (laughs) because I think it'll be helpful. Great. You look at the top of your, um, the little icon at the top of the, um, oh my gosh, I lost the word for a second. I'm so sorry. Are you (laughs) referring, are you referring to the favicon icon within the web address? Yes. So if you look at your browser window and there's that little icon, that's called a favicon. Hmm. And if you um, have one that is branded specifically to you, when someone has 40 <laughs> tabs open, they're going to know <laughs> which one is yours and they're going to be able to get back to it. Um, I've been surprised at how many people just have nothing there. And then you'll hmm. be you know, going about doing your business and not know, wait, what is that blank one there? Um, So you lose it. So I do a favicon, I do an alternate logo, I do a uh, submark, which is a simplified version that is circular. And that's great, like for your, for Instagram, where you have Mm -hmm. your um, little picture, or just places where you need something that's a little more simplified. So not only am I doing that now, but I'm also kind of having some support afterwards where I'm going to help you to put it in all the places and make sure that it works for you. So we're going to go through your website. We're going to go through your pattern. You're going to have me to be able to like bounce ideas off of to say like, does this work well here? Do I need to make it bigger, smaller? Um, So I've really kind of refined that so that we are diving deep and we are, you know, getting all of that wonderful stuff done to make sure that, you know, this looks exactly like you want it to. So basically I hear you saying you're pretty much combining your graphics design experience with your branding business. Absolutely. Excellent. And I have used my submark actually in some rather unique places. I use it in my uh, Ravelry Ravatar. Eventually, Aaron, we're going to be doing business for the design side and recreating a cohesive picture across both my tech editing and my design side side and and bringing those together but making them a little unique on either side. I love that idea. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> because that that's that's so much fun because they're like 
sisters. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they tie together um, and you could tell that they're related, but they have their own separate feel. Well, and to be honest, I probably wouldn't be designing if I hadn't have first delved into the tech editing and realized how much there was to draw from. Absolutely. It, that makes sense to me. It's, it's, they're, they're, they are good side-by-side -side businesses, just like your graphic design and your knitwear design. The question I thought of while you were talking is you have these kind of different sections to your business. Have you been able to create a business that is providing everything you need or do you still find you need a bit of a day job? So I had gotten laid off right before COVID hit. <laughs> and so it got to the point where it had to come forward and be my everything because I I found that unfortunately a lot of people in in my age group and my experience have what they have found is that there's not a lot of room in the market for me anymore. So it was a struggle to find something that was going to uh, be a nine to five job. So Erinine Designs morphed and changed and became my full time job probably faster than I would have anticipated it to, but. I'm quick on my feet. And so I moved some stuff around and, uh, and just used what I was good at to fill that need. Excellent. Well, and one of the things I have noted over the time that we've known each other is your, I mentioned you're prolific. It, it's because you're creative. You are always looking at how, I, I'm not, I, I don't know the exact words here, but it just seems like, how can I pull from that creative side of me and what can I do with it? Absolutely. I feel like my creativity is something that is just, it's just inside of me and I can't seem to help it. Like there's been times where I have my plan for the year and I go, oops, I designed something else. So I'll put that aside and I'll wait till the following year because it doesn't fit in what I'm doing right now. But I, I just, I see connections everywhere and I see opportunities and things that can be created just everywhere. And I, I love that feeling of creating something from nothing. You know what I mean? Taking this, this, you know, beautiful little ball of yarn and being able to turn it into a design, be able to turn it into something practical and beautiful. And you seem to do the same with your graphic design business. And yet you have this aesthetic that is so clear and clean and it just stands out. And that was the first thing I noticed when I started seeing your designs popping up on Instagram, they really stood out from the rest of the stuff that was bombarding me. I really love that aspect of who you are and what you do. Thank you very much. I, I feel like 
I can't help but have a clean aesthetic. Do you know when you have like just something that you do and you'll try and do something different and it always comes back to the look that you've always had. And I find that throughout my entire career, that has been the case. I, I just like the, I like white space. I like the way things, you know, fit into each other. And so I do feel like it ties together, not only with my graphic design, but also my knitwear design. And really, you know, when I do my coaching and stuff like that, I build in that white space and that, you know, that room for, for both growth and rest. So real quick, before I ask you our last question, Share with people, we did mention your website, but share with people the places you can be found and how they can find you there. I am at Aranine Designs Everywhere. So you can find me on Ravelry, on I have a Payhip store. You can find me on Instagram as Aranine Designs and then my website as aranindesigns.com. Um, and all my patterns are on my website and they link both to my uh, Ravelry store as well as my PayHip store, so you can take a look there. But all of my offers are right on my website. Fantastic. Well, I have one last question, and this is another question that we're liking to ask all of our designers because, like I said before, we are here for that person who is new to this, that is thinking about this. So what advice might you have for the brand new, the budding designer? So I would definitely say to focus on one thing at a time. So the first thing that you need to focus on is, is knitwear design or crochet design, because that in itself is a whole, you know, new skill that you're learning. So I always suggest that you, you know, dive into your first design, go through the process, figure out what you like, learn what you can, connect with other other designers. We're all very kind and are are willing to answer questions, but just, you know, start at the beginning. Start with that first design and just dive in and and have fun with it. Wonderful. Thank you. Very interesting. Denise, did you have anything else that you thought of? Um, not really. No, I think you, this has been an excellent, excellent uh, information point for a lot of different reasons. Yes. And I'm thrilled to share it with our, our listeners. So Aaron, thank you again for joining us today for being such a huge inspiration mm -hmm. because I really feel I got some inspiration out of today. I hope other people did too. Thank you very much. It was such an absolute pleasure to hang out and talk with both of you and share information with your audience. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. All right. You have a great day. Thanks. You too. Make sure to join us next time when we discuss grading. So just to wrap up, remember you can reach us through our Facebook or our Ravelry group at our email at knitdesignedit at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about tech editing or grading or other services that I provide, please visit my website at arcticedits.com.